0: Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the e commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I'm not exaggerating when I say I really couldn't be more excited about today's show because if you've listened for a while, I'm a self proclaimed marketing junkie. I've always liked ads, I've always liked TV ads, and specifically, I've always liked infomercials. Yes, that's correct. I've always loved infomercials and DRTV ads. And so today I have a legend in the space joining me on the show, Jordan Pine. Jordan Pine is Symark's founder and president, also the co-founder of Paragon Products. And he's a blogger. He's a student of DRTV. He's been running campaigns forever. He's one of the masterminds behind the, the wildly successful tack light, tack glasses. I think there's a tack lantern, tack all kinds of stuff. And uh, also some microwave cookers, which have done phenomenally well. He's a trusted name. Everyone wants to talk to him if they're looking at DRTV. And I think there's a lot we can learn from DRTV. One thing that I've said over and over again is that YouTube is actually very similar to DRTV. So we're going to get into that uh, as we start, uh, as we dive into the podcast. So with that, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, how are you doing? Well, thank
1: you for that amazing introduction. I'm going to have you do all my introductions in the future. <laughs> I,
0: I <laughs> uh, like. Thanks hype, for having man. me. On. It's uh, it's a fun day. <laughs> yes, right. So and yes. uh, and yeah, man. What what an amazing career. What an amazing background. It was. I knew we were going to be friends when when you know you'd reached out to talk about YouTube with me and, and I just mentioned the Ginsu knife commercial, right? Because that was it's one of the earliest commercials I remember watching the Ginsu knife commercial as a kid. And thinking one, this is awesome. I got to talk my parents into buying it, which they didn't. Um, and then two, like, who makes these? It's fun. Like, who 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 makes these ads? Uh, but as we talked about it, you immediately fired me a YouTube link to like the original original because I, I think I probably yes. I must have seen the ads in the late '80s or '90s, but this was like from 1978, which was awesome. So um,
1: yeah, great campaign
0: great team. and a very
1: iconic uh, memorable opening with the the hand can be used like a knife but it doesn't work so well on a tomato that that opening is probably <laughs> in the in the uh, if there's going to be a DRTV hall of fame it'll
0: definitely be it's uh, one of the main one of the main ones greats. yeah just sure. so right. engaging you have to you basically have to watch that and yeah, when it says in japan the hand can be used like a knife you know it's got this <laughs> it's got this great voice you know and it chops through the wood but then yeah. that does not work on a tomato um so it's it's fantastic so Um, Give us your background a little bit. So uh, I've talked about some of your successes, but like, how did you get into the DRTV world?
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, Sideways, I I guess I would say. Um, I've had three careers, uh, four if you count a brief stint as a private eye. But um, first, I was a a soldier. I uh, joined the Army out of high school and I uh, served four years active duty and four years reserve, you know, all in, all in peacetime, as it turned Thank out. I, there weren't any major, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. so uh, I, I, uh, I will accept that, but, you know, there's a lot of guys that have done multiple tours now that have yeah. done way yeah. more than me. I, I was, I was lucky enough, from my mother's perspective, at least, to not be sent to any major wars or spend any time in, uh, war zones. It was Down. the peace years of the nineties. But after that, I was a journalist, I went to college on the GI Bill, and, um, I got a degree in journalism from uh, Rutgers University, and I was a working journalist for several years, a business business journalist. And then I got into digital marketing, and um, and I had a friend that I had met in the National Guard. That was the reserves that I served in. Um, that uh, was recruited right right out of college uh, into one of the top as seen on TV companies. And um, later on, he he said, I you know, a few years later, he said the uh, the brother of the CEO of my company, former company, and. Um, He's looking for a marketing director. Would you be interested? He'd always told me how crazy the industry was, and and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll meet with him. And you know, pretty much the rest is history. Uh, I I got recruited by him as a director of marketing, and then um and then spent eventually spent five years there, became VP of marketing. But you know, I I really loved the industry from day one. You know, my my um my current business partner and best friend, the one that brought me into the industry, Bill Corliss, uh, he used to always tell me these stories, and they were like larger-than-life stories. And, and then I joined, and it was every bit as crazy and fun and full of characters as he had said it would be. And, and sharks, of course, you know, He yes. his, his epic advice to me when I first started was, always remember, these are the kind of people that will stab you in the back and then ask for their knife back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so descriptive and, and somewhat, somewhat terrifying as well. So, yeah, when, and when did you, or let's just talk about this for a minute because I've got a perspective here too. What do you like about DRTV? So, so yes, there's some larger-than-life characters and, and, and the, the products are fun, but like, what, what is it about this combination that, that makes you love DRTV? And, and just, for, just for a side note, we started talking about this. For those that don't know, DRTV stands for direct response. So instead of ads that are aimed at branding and positioning and driving response at some point. Direct response ads are designed to get someone to, you know, in the early days pick up the phone or, or mail order or something, uh, or visit a, a site and make a purchase. And so DR, direct response. Um, but yeah, when, when did you, or what is it about the combination of things that you, you like so well?
1: Yeah, the, so the direct that you're talking about there is really what appealed to me. Um, just you can get immediate feedback on whether something is working or not. And that that's, I mean, besides all the the crazy characters and, you know, this industry comes out of boardwalk pitchmen. So there's a lot of uh, interesting selling techniques going on. But um, what I really liked about it from from a marketer standpoint is you can immediately see, if it, and, and, and it's really fast too in our industry. Within a couple of weeks, you can know whether this creative idea, whether this product idea that you had Actually, resonates with consumers or not uh, using using uh, cable television testing. So I always like that. I always like you know making the phones ring. You know these days making the servers light up. However you want to phrase that, you know you you can actually immediately see the impact of your decisions, of your marketing strategy, of your creative, and uh, and the, you really can't beat it. And and it it was also in a, in the beginning when I started in the industry. It was the only type of advertising that actually made money. You know now that isn't, that isn't the case, but when we started, we would make money on uh, direct sales off of TV, and forget about paying for your advertising, you're making a profit That's for the first crazy. six months. And then you go to retail and you've got all this advertising behind you, and suddenly it, you know it blows out of retail. So it was a beautiful. Beautiful model. It still is in many ways, but especially in the early days that I started, it was it was a very beautiful model because, like I said, all your advertising is is making you money in addition to fueling your eventual retail sales.
0: Yeah, that which is just wild. So, so making money on the front end, and then yeah, I know it, you really can can explode when you hit the retail store shelves, and you have all those those ads kind of fueling the growth. I know for me, I've just always loved the art of a good ad, and especially like the psychology of selling. And you talk about, you know, some some of the greatest pitch people on on uh, drtv spots or infomercials. They're they're like boardwalk pitch people, right? And and there's just something about this the psychology, the art and science of that as well that that's super interesting to me. Uh, what what are the phrases that cause someone to lean in? What are the phrases that cause someone to almost feel like they have to to purchase? And so I love the psychology of it, love the art of it. And then there's nothing like the rush of when people start responding, right? And I, I, I was, when I was in college, I worked for a radio station and I was involved with this live broadcast one time. And this was like early on, I'll never forget this. This was like early on when I, when I realized I may, I may be kind of hooked on marketing. So it is a live broadcast for a jewelry store. And uh, I was kind of involved. I got to get on air a couple of times and whatnot. But people started, like, flocking to this jewelry store, and they were selling stuff, and the owner was uh, happy, and I was like, this is pretty fun. Like, this is pretty exciting. There's some real juice going on here, you know? And so, yeah, when you see a campaign that's working, uh, it's still super exciting to me. So, um, Yeah,
1: it's like that. That excitement, uh, you know... That's why I love the industry. So you go into the you'd go into the CEO's office, and you'd have the report, and you'd have yeah. all these phone orders and all these web orders, and you're like, "We got a hit!" You know, it, we use a metric, a metric, a KPI called cost per order. It's like CPA, but yep. CPO. And we, you know, the CPO is so low, and we, we just have a party, pop the champagne. It's so exciting <laughs> to see your work immediately. You know, yeah. give you those results.
0: That's amazing. It's amazing. Cool. So we we talked about uh, Ginsu knives as kind of the uh, you know one of the. The all-time greats, the the Hall of Fame. It's definitely in, in Canton for sure. Um, and then you know, mention TacLite and the 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 spinoffs then of that, and and some of the microwave cookers that that you've been involved with. But what are, what are a few of your all-time favorite DrTV campaigns and, and why?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, uh, I I'm really a big fan of anything. By the uh, again the pitchman that started the business, so you know Ron Popeil, uh, Billy Mays. Uh, my two favorite commercials of all time are both Billy Mays commercials. Um, the first one would be OxyClean, the original OxyClean commercial that he did, and really it's because uh, the technique, of course, is is flawless, and the, the it had had one of the best magic demos of all time, a magic demo in in our trade, magic demonstration is sort of what it sounds like. It's a, it's a demonstration that's so good, it's almost like a magic trick, although it's not. And he had this giant tank of dye, and he drops the scoop of in, and the, the red dye tank turns clear. I mean, you know, so if you Google that or go on YouTube uh, and find that commercial and just watch it, it it's really a clinic and great um, uh, DR selling, you know. And that's, that's probably my favorite commercial of all time with Billy Mays, the late great Billy Mays. And uh, the second one would be... Um, a commercial called Mighty Putty. Uh, Mighty Putty was uh, like a putty that dried, cured, so that it was it would bond things together. Um, and uh, again, another Billy Mays commercial. And and that probably had those commercials had some of the best torture test demos, as, as we called it, where they they pull a tractor trailer, they lift a the bus, you know, they pull a plane later on. You know, those kind of uh, again magic demonstrations, which I love because. At the end of the day, you know it's a little bit of a P.T. Barnum style business. Right. It's a Barnum technique, and right. if you can really get uh, what we call a wow factor, a wow going in a commercial, it can really cover it can really cover over a multitude of sins. But it can also really just kick you into the next level in terms of getting buzz and um, and driving sales. So um, I, I I love the old pitchmen. I love all of Billy Mays's work. Um, I, I mentioned Ron Popeil. Ron Popeil was one of the guys who started the industry. Uh, so any of his infomercials, Showtime, Rotisserie, Set It and Forget It. You know, and in the modern era, the guys that really worked with Billy and, and did a lot of the great classic commercials like uh, John Miller and Peter Hutton from Hutton Miller. Those are the guys behind the scenes, the creative geniuses that, that do a lot of the commercials you even see today. Um, they, they did all the Mighty Putty stuff and stuff like that. So those those are the guys that are my, you know, their their work is at the top of my list for sure. Yeah, Billy May is
0: man. he's like the Michael Jordan of DRTV. Like, he's just, he's just one of the greatest, and Ron Papilla, I've, ever, I've heard his name forever, so I know he's a legend as well. And there's something about that magic demo or the torture test. I, I love that. I never heard that phrase, but, you know, and we, I've called it the over-the-top demo as well, right, where you've got, like, it's good to show the product in actual use, like this is specifically what I'm going to use it for, because you know people need to be told, and, and there you know there needs to be that suggestion of hey, you can fix your pots with it, and you can fix this and that and whatnot. But then yeah, then you see the the magic demo, and now you're like, man, I got to get this. Nothing like this. Uh, it, it creates that that real emotional draw. I still remember, you probably remember this ad too. This wasn't exactly a DRT because it was short form tv commercial but it was more direct response it was uh for super glue where like uh two guys walk yeah. into a room carrying a dude yeah and they and they glue him to the ceiling right and it's like this ad was not cut and they put glue on his shoes and stick him to the ceiling and i'm yeah. um, like man that's amazing like you gotta buy super glue so
1: i think the original version was a beam he was dangling the hard hat from a beam from a, beam I don't know if they nice. off a building but if you go yeah that was like the original super glue demo they glue the helmet to the to a, uh, an i beam or whatever, and he was yeah. hanging off
0: of a beam. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I assume that's legit. Like, were, there, were those were those r- real demos, or do you know?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about that one. I'm <laughs> sure they were with many different safety. As someone who's done 150 plus of these commercials, you know there there are things that you do where you have like safety uh, things in place right. that are might, might be off camera. I, I don't know if he was hanging off like the Empire State Building. That would probably <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. You, you would never get permission or insurance for something like that sure, to sure. hang your actor off of a, but, but yes, um, they're, they're always real demos, maybe off camera. Like I said, there's some safety features. There might be a, hopefully there's a cord connected to the guy's ankle in case he falls or something, you know, Yeah, but, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: That's yes. awesome. But you know what you were saying the um, you know that balance between demonstrating the product in real life all the everyday yes. uses like Mighty Putty is a great example. You know you you can you can stick a mailbox on, you can you know, you, you can do this, you can do that, you can plug a leak. But then they have that what I call it is the not that you would, but you could pull a tractor <laughs> trailer with it, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah. that's it, it is a balance. You have to make sure you get enough of those everyday demos as well as that magic demo that kind of really proves the point.
0: Not that you would, but but you could. I love that. I love it. So, yeah. let's break down what are what are some of the successful elements? Because I think there are lots of lessons here, and we're going to talk about how to tie this into to digital marketing, kind of as we go here. But, but what are some of the elements of a successful DRTV campaign?
1: Okay, great. So when I started, I studied all the old masters and in uh, and the current greats as well. And I read their books, I interviewed them if possible, and of course I worked with you them. some of your
0: just just uh, quickly? Who are some of your favorites of kind of the the all time greats?
1: Yeah, sure. So the all time greats, um, you got uh, last, uh, you know, you got Albert Lasker and uh, Kennedy, which was a, a cohort of his. Yeah, have Claude Hopkins. Claude Hopkins wrote yeah, a book 100 like years ago. Scientific advertising. Yes, scientific advertising, which was the inspiration for the name of my consulting company, Symark. Um, You got John Capels, tested advertising methods. Of course, you got the Mad Men guys. You got David Ogilvy, Rosser Reeves, personal favorite, you know, Mad Men. They, they might have even based um, Don Draper on him. Oh, he on Ross a, was, Reeves. On Rosser Reeves, yeah, and he had a—he was like a great kind of cranky guy. He has some great quotes um, that I could share with you from that era. But um, and then you have Al Aikoff. Uh, you know, he's one of the early acting on TV guys. I mentioned Ron Paul Peel, um, Joe Sugarman. Joe Sugarman was a print guy, DR print guy, but he wrote so many books that are super valuable.
0: Yeah, I love his book then, Triggers. Um, so it's triggers, a really yeah. fast read. It's like every chapter is two or three pages. Super fun one i highly recommend you grab it on amazon so it's a great read
1: actually behind me you can't see it but behind me i have a am uh, a book collector so i have a library of i mean it's only like what was it 30 or 40 books but it's all the key books that have been done by all the dr masters so um i, I have i have his books in there sure for sure about
0: triggers my son is in is doing sales uh just he's he's uh He's only 20, but he he definitely stole my triggers books. So I got I got to buy a new one. But uh, you know, I, I was well, glad to lot, learn a lot of wisdom. To, like, use, use that education for sure. So, um, cool. So, uh, so I catch you all. We kind of went on a, on a rabbit uh, trail there, talking about some yeah. Of the you're talking about elements of success. You want to interview some of these guys? So, so, like, who all did you interview? Just curious about that. So. Um,
1: and I, I didn't finish my whole list, but in the, in the more modern era, there's, there's the Kubani brothers, uh, AJ, Andy, and his brother, Chuck. The, I, I worked for Andy, and um, I've worked, I've partnered with AJ since then. But in those days, he was the, you know, they're brothers, and they all have three different companies, and they're a big force in Asin on TV. So just working for the one brother and studying under the other brother, I got a chance to interview them. I interviewed Billy Mays. I interviewed Ron Popeil, met Ron Popeil, interviewed him. So anybody that was uh, that I had access to, or that was still living. A lot, a lot of the guys I mentioned earlier are, are not living anymore. But right. the guys that were still living at that time, um, I, I worked with them. I interviewed them, and I compiled, you know, this these lists. That that was kind of how I started as a journalist. You know, I'm, I'm a journalist coming into. I had some marketing experience, but on the digital side, early digital too. We're talking about like. <laughs> So you, so you're a Google guy. Um, remember when it was a col- just a colored banner across the top of this, uh, the, of totally. course, always a bare bones search engine, but their first yeah. ads were col- Yeah. So we actually like were one, in a small company that I worked for in New Jersey. We were one of the first people to like advertise in the tri-state area on that banner. And we used to have the, the, um, Google team come in and talk to us about advertising at that time. So, so that's my, that's my digital, um, marketing experience is like way, way before uh, the dot-com bubble burst basically and my company survived because it was self-funded and it wasn't venture-backed but it was one of the you know one of the few at that time and i went through that period but anyway um so i come in as a journalist and i i don't really know um you know much about asking on tv at all infomercials so th- this is what i did i i interviewed people i took notes i made lists and i eventually can condense these lists down um you know, the, there's a saying in DR that it's a success and it's probably applies or comes from other industries as well. Success is 80% product and 20% creative. Hmm. So I set out to understand what the product criteria were that these guys were looking for and what the what the selling techniques were in their creative approach. And uh, I ended up with, um, in the end, I had the Divine 7 and TNT. The
0: Divine 7 and TNT. Okay, do, do explain. Yes.
1: So the Divine 7 is seven key product criteria, for, uh, particularly for As Seen on TV products. And TNT stands for tried and true. It's ten tried and true uh, selling techniques for, for As Seen on TV commercials. And I'd, I'd be happy to go through those. Do you, want, do you want to go through them?
0: Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah, let's. And we probably won't be able to key in on all of them in much detail, but let's, let's go through it for sure.
1: Okay, so the Divine 7, uh, number one, is unique. And that's uh, really about perception. So it has to be right. perceived to be new and different. Right. Uh, number two is mass market. Um, our ideal would be one per person, which obviously you can sometimes get there with like sunglasses. You could say my market size is one per person. You could have multiple people in a house that wear my sunglasses, but usually it's it's about one per household. That's how we look at it. So okay. At least one one household. Uh, w- one can be in every household in America.
0: Um, problem solving. If, if, if you feel like that's that's true, the total addressable market. That's when you know you've got a, a mass market enough offer. Got it.
1: Yes. Well, also because, um, and this is something that's important to understand. What we do is we we test uh, cable television networks, mm-hmm. big ones, you know, Fox News and and big big news channels, stuff like that. As well as um you know, it, it's it's a, it's a moving list based on rates. But when we air a commercial, it's airing airing everywhere. You know, it's not local, it's it's a right. not a regional air, it's a national air. So if you don't have an item that appeals to the entire nation or every household in the nation, then you're really just, you know, wasting wasting
0: money. You're wasting it's, exposure, it's not very targeted. Yeah. Right. Got it.
1: Um and then number three is problem solving. Um I always describe this as a pro- the problem scale, I call it, you know, one to ten. One is an itch, ten is a heart attack, seven, you want to be like a seven or higher on the problem scale in order to really grab people and sell to them. That's very important. I'll have a lot of people say like, you know, and and actually you can you can critique bad, uh, as on TV commercials this way, when they have that that opening, you know, don't you hate when this happens to you? And you're like, no. Not really. You know, <laughs> That's the really not probably not strong enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Got it. So it's what gotta. do be like, I do? A minor right. inconvenience. So it's not a heart attack, but it's certainly right. not just a little itch. It's a, it's it's like right. a seven. It's a seven. It's like a seven.
1: Seven or better. Yeah that that was my that was my you know that's the sweet spot. It's it's obviously not an exact science. Um, Price right. You know that's that's just common sense. And in, in our business, we we um, operate on impulse purchase. So there's a uh, it varies by item, but typically with the consumer products that we do. That's why we're dollars 14 $14.99. We used to be $10, buy one, get one, because those are impulse purchases. We used to say, you know, it's easy to take a $10 bill out of your pocket. It's harder to take a $50 out. And obviously, these numbers have moved around a little bit. Now it's $29.99 is a common price point. But when I started, it was $10, $14.99, $19.99. And the idea was, you know, you know, you don't have to think too much about spending that amount of money. Once right. you get into right. more money, you, you, now... You feel like
0: you need to think about it. You feel like you need to talk to your spouse or somebody about it. And then, then you, you just don't do it, right? But if it's, yeah, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, like you just, you just do it in, in the spur of the moment.
1: And if you've seen an As Seen on TV section in a Walmart or whatever, it, it's always in an impulse area of the store. So a checkout or does it end cap, you know? So you're on your way and you're like, oh, okay, grab that. I don't got to think too much about it. Throw it in my bag. Throw it in my cart. And move on. So that's what we that's what we um that's what price right means. It's just an impulse price, not a considered purchase. And that's really about price to value. You can have a TV that's impulse priced. You know, the loss leaders you see sometimes. They used to do $99 flat screens or whatever. This it, it, is about price to value, but ultimately the idea is take it out of considered purchase. I gotta think about it and move it into a I'm excited, I'll just drop the money and
0: buy it. Got it. Love it. So number five.
1: Number five is easily explained. You know, we we have longer than most because um As seen on TV is what we call short form is a two minute commercial. Obviously, most commercials are thirty seconds, but that doesn't change or less. That doesn't change. The consumer's been trained, the viewer's been trained to have about a thirty second attention span, if that. So, if your product isn't easily easy to explain, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it done in that time. You're not gonna sell them. People come to me with what I call swiss army products that does seven things and yeah. i'm just like this is not for us it's there's no way i can explain those seven things in in 30 seconds or less and i i really have to communicate what it is what it does why it's different in that short period of time and this will be more common sense now to people who are dealing with like tiktok and right. youtube and things like that because we know the tension spans are short but again when i started and i first compiled this list and refined it it w- that was you know that was um, it was in- it was insightful. People had longer attention spans
0: back then. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad, but true. Yes. So yes. So, you, uh, so yeah. Usually the the drtv the short form drtv commercials are, are two minutes or whatever. Yes. But are you looking? Are you kind of using a rule of thumb? I want to be able to explain everything though, like problem solution feature benefit demonstration in thirty seconds, because then you're like yeah. reiterating it just for the rest of the time yes. type of thing.
1: Yeah, you're reiterating it. We we spend the rest of the com- well the last thirty seconds of the commercial is going to be building an offer, we'll get to that when we talk about the TNT, but uh, building an offer and all those you know, things that will sound familiar to people. So the last 30 is gone. The first 30, you really have to establish the problem, make yourself the solution, and convince, you know, tell people what it is, what it does, why it's different in that first 30. And then the middle of the commercial is usually reserved for you know, credibility boosters. Again, we'll talk about this in the TNT list, but credibility boosters, establishing value, um, you know, that that crazy magic demo, you know, that that's one of the biggest challenges like, okay, I want to do, I want to emulate Billy Mays, I want to emulate, you know uh, Hutton Miller, you know, because they, they they are the first ones to do these kind of things in, in a big way, so how do I do that? Now, now, how am I going to explain, I'm going to lift a bus with Mighty Putty, uh, obviously, I'm not doing that one, but a version of something like that in, in uh, 60 seconds, you know, like, okay, there's a bus, there's Mighty, and so that middle part of the commercial, if you're doing something big and grand, a Barnum move then you're going to need that the middle of the commercial for that and then of course it becomes even more challenging because we do run 60s the um, you know a double 30 so now you have to cut that down so really you, you, you got to be thinking um, and again this is going to sound less less uh, cutting edge than it it might have sounded a, a few years ago but you really got to be thinking about condensing your message into the shortest time possible right so that at least you get the sale down and then you can do all these layering on top things to uh, make it more exciting and convincing. Totally
0: totally makes sense. So what it is, what it does, what it solves, problem, solution, demonstration, all that in the first 30, you know, or or, or potentially less. Uh, Awesome. So then number six.
1: Number six is age appropriate. Um, So what that means is, uh, it's just a play on words, but it, and DR, DR tends to skew older, middle age and above. So I established that because people would try to do tween products or Especially these days, you know, young kids aren't even watching. Younger people aren't even watching TV, so you know you got to make sure that the demographics of cable television or tele- broadcast television are right for your,
0: um, for your, you know, for your product. So, so generally, you're thinking at, like forties and over, or or, or boomer and older. What are we
1: it's moved it's moved down. It used to be um, I used to say 65 plus Was it, you know, it that again that's a sweet spot because our 50 plus boomers and above because um, uh, that was really the sweet spot. The the bulk of buyers off of TV were that age group. But then, you know, things have evolved. And I mean, when I started, I remember this clearly. I think web sales were 5% of total. It was like 95% phone sales. And No, I'm sorry. 90% phone sales, maybe 5% web, and 5% or more, a little bit more, was um, mail, mail-in. You know? <laughs> Send your check or money order to this address, right? To mail And we did that for years. It, it diminished and it diminished, but it was still a significant percentage of our sales. So, And the, and the websites were mall websites. I don't know if you remember those. It was like, yeah. you go there and it's like tons of products. We didn't even have our own. Uh, web page uh, domains. It was kind of like a proto <laughs> Amazon that we just drove them straight to a product page. I, th- you know? I think I'll just
0: mail it in. I could call. I could get online. I just want to mail it. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, or in, all in the, the mall, time. websites are are awesome too. So uh, okay, so SKU's older, but but it has shifted down a little bit. You would say,
1: yeah. Now I'd say it's thirty five plus, okay. or even thirty plus. I, I I just I wouldn't do teens. Uh, right. Uh, I wouldn't do teens. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do twenty somethings. I wouldn't do anything. You know. I uh, maybe, you know, it, it depends on what your goals are, but to get direct response, yeah. you're not, you're not going to get that, yes, you know, makes sense. and, um, and then the last one is, uh, of the divine seven was credible or believable, you know, although that can be a pretty low bar if you have enough, uh, wow. And other factors going for you, right. but some, but sometimes we would look quite a few products that, you know, people just aren't going to believe it. So if you look at it and like, I know what you're saying, you know, I remember, uh, an example would be someone bought like, a cardboard square. It was reflective somehow, and their whole pitch was like, "You put a potato on it, and it just grows." So if you put this in your vegetable <laughs> drawer somehow, it will just things will grow and stay fresh. And, and yeah, I looked I, at I, it, and they had science and studies
0: I'm not a botanist, you know, but I don't I don't think uh, it
1: works. And like. I just had to say, like, e- even if you know they had research, and I'm like, well, even if the, I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientist. And I, I'm not going to critique your study, but. It's just people aren't going to believe it, you know. Right. Take this cardboard square, put it in your, you know, your refrigerator and magically all your produce is going to stay fresh. I just, you know, I, I didn't believe it. But then again, you know, there's a famous product called Green Bags, infamous famous. I mean, it still sells today that actually does work. And you when you look at it the first time, you'd say, "I don't know, putting my vegetables in a bag keeps them fresh." It actually works, there's some science behind why it works. So, you know, like I said, credibility is a good criteria to keep in mind, but you'd be surprised sometimes. How low the bar could be, as long as you do the other things right. And obviously, you know, customer satisfaction, et cetera.
0: Got it. And that's where I think some of those, some of the magic demos you talked about, uh, you see it and maybe you wonder a little bit, but you also kind of believe your eyes. Like you you believe what you're seeing. Something like a magic piece of cardboard that grows produce or something. It's like, I don't know, that's too much. I'm sort of seeing it, but eh um so so yeah that that totally makes sense so the divine seven that was worth the money to tune into the podcast right there divine divine seven love it But we're not done we're not done folks but wait there's more wait there's Uh, more there's so much uh all right so let's let's talk about let's talk about the you said ten TNT. TNT, ten of the tried and true. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the divine
1: seven. Just, just one last thing on that. So later on, I have refined that and and re, you know rejiggered it a little bit on my website. I think I have eight criteria now. Um, one that I added later that I think is important. I mentioned earlier is wow. So sometimes if you have like a really amazing demonstration, a really magic demonstration, you can you can get by with not having some of the other divine seven. Yeah. And also the, the divine seven are not like required. They're not hard and fast. They're basically. If you want to have the best odds of success, you'll hit all seven of those plus the wow and then then you have a pretty strong idea that you're gonna you're gonna have something successful, of course you don't know until so you actually put it in front of consumers and find out so um I, we use these criteria um, to this day, and I, I've been consulting with um, major the big ASEAN TV companies for years as well, and um, they they use these criteria just as a as a gut check a uh, way to uh, sort of separate items, and then, of course, is a whole process of validating and and finding out if you're if you're actually correct. But it, it, they're a good heuristic for um for sort of separating the wheat from the chaff to start.
0: Love it, and I love that the divine seven is actually eight. That's fantastic. <laughs> the and, divine and, eight, right? <laughs> the great eight. I don't know. I, I, I Great eight. Yeah, it just yeah. works. I don't know. Yeah, divine seven is pretty special. So I will I will link to your blog post as well. So that'll be in the show notes, so folks can check that out. Uh, cool. so so TNT, let's let's talk about that. Okay, so TNT,
1: you're basically breaking down the elements of a successful AsSEAN on TV commercial. Um, number one is uh, start with the problem solution opening. you know it t- ties right into problem solving as a criteria for products. So you you start by articulating a problem. This is the classic you know black and white or desaturated scene mm-hmm. you've seen in infomercials oh, no, are you tired of blah, blah, blah? You know, that's the classic scene, but starting with the problem solution is uh, opening is is, is uh, hard and fast. I love, that, the, I love the
0: Flex Seal commercials that are, that are relatively, I mean, it's not, they're not too old, but you know, the, the opening scene there is like a leaky roof and this guy with a pretty thick New Jersey accent is like, this will cost thousands, these repairs will cost thousands of dollars or whatever, you know, and yes. then he gets into his yes. pitch. So that's a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah,
1: Phil's done an amazing job with the Flex Seal line. He blew it up into a whole business yeah and that that's classic r as well so yes um the uh you there are actually super cuts on YouTube that you can find of um it's I have a favorite maybe I can give it to you to put in the show notes but it's it's like a supercut of all these problem scenes and it's nice. just hilarious you know when you put them all together it's like this person has the worst they ever you know they fall <laughs> down the stairs and their garb- garbage bag breaks and yeah. you know their roof yeah. is leaking and it just goes on and on and so um, so start with the problem-solution opening that I, I've actually done a lot of, again, it's a very measurable type of marketing. So I've done a lot of A-B testing with, um, you know, more aspirational openings or not having a problem-solution opening. And I, every time, hands down, the, the problem opening is what wins, you know. So. Yeah, and
0: a lot of that probably ties, ties back to it, it's more motivational, we're, we're more motivated to avoid pain. Than to seek yes. pleasure, right? Like, and and so it makes sense. Yeah, we if we if we got it's a, a problem, it, right? we want to solve it. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that that's going to be usually the strongest opening.
1: Yeah, so that's one. Uh, Number two, showcase unique features and benefits. So, you know, any good web page or Amazon page has a list of features and benefits. So, we just showcase those particular things. Again, this part of the commercial, these kind of go in order, by the way. So, this part of the commercial is about establishing what it is, what it does, why it's different. So, you showcase that. Um, And then, uh, you know, tied into that is number three, which is demonstrate or demo the product repeatedly, which includes that magic demo. You know, in Tax Light, we, we had the magic demo of, you know, this is supposed to be a super tough military durable flashlight. So, of course, we run it over with a Humvee. You know, we freeze it in a block of ice and it still works. You know, we do all these crazy uh, military tough demos. Yeah, we,
0: which both of those are, are really memorable, you know, mm-hmm. seeing it in the block of ice and someone chips away the ice so you can tell it's actually ice. And then, yeah, the yes. Humvee, that was better than just a van or something, right? It's got to it's be yeah, more It had to be a Humvee, v, right? It's perfect. That'd be handy.
1: And then um, you know, explain how the product works. It's a little mundane, but um, you know, the here's how it works. Here's how it works. Part of a commercial is important. You know, who does a really good job outside of DR is Dyson. So Dyson's really selling you yes. on their their sophisticated vortex technology inside of there, which is why you're going to spend you know three times as much exactly. as you would normally spend on a vacuum. So they use that to great effect. Uh, Number five, prove value by comparing and contrasting. So when you think about this, I always think of the most iconic uh, side, it's usually a side-by-side demonstration. You can also do before and afters, of course, number one, right, in terms of comparing and contrasting. Before you know, your roof was leaking after your your roof is no longer leaking or, you know, weight loss, you, you see the guy with the gut and then the guy doesn't have the gut anymore. So that's before and afters is the classic example of that. But this a second one in terms of contrasting, uh, Bounty, the quicker picker upper, to this day, they do that split screen scene where the they both go over a regular paper towel, and the bounty goes over the same spill, and there's a smear and left behind liquid on the negative side, and and on the product X side, and on their side it gets the whole thing. So that that is um, that droop, I think, that it
0: immediately communicates the difference, and uh, yeah, it just it just lands, it works. Yep. Yeah.
1: And then we have uh, number six is established credibility with testimonials. So we, we don't always use testimonials. Sometimes we use celebrity endorsements. Um, I um, Basically, this this boils down to, you mentioned uh, psychology earlier. I'm a uh, student of social psychology, particularly Robert Cialdini. Yeah, I love it. And uh, he has a concept called social proof. So we, especially in longer form, which is the half hour infomercials, they use a lot of social proof. A lot of people telling you how great the product is. Uh, In a credible way, so that that builds that sale for them.
0: And the interesting thing about social proof, you know, we use this a lot for YouTube or any kind of digital ads, video ads. Is um, you know, especially user generated content. But testimonials are pretty engaging as well if they're done the right way. And I know you know how to craft the right testimonial or, or edit the right testimonial. But they tell a story, right? And stories are very engaging. So it provides that social proof, gives you confidence that it's going to work. And it's also, it's also pretty engaging and helps, helps draw somebody in. It's interesting. I remember going through a period of time when I had some clients tell me, like, ah, testimonials, it's old school, try, you know. But, but I think everybody's over that. Like, they know, no, this, is, this works. It's going to work forever. That's like saying, good offers. Ah, so, like, old school. like Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Yeah, I've um, heard that
1: so many times in so many different ways. Like, there's so many things that we, everything that I'm saying and everything that I, I will tell people, is, is tested that's what you know, tried and true means it's been tested and before me i mean billions of dollars have been spent proving totally. these things out so i, I always kind of have to laugh when people say oh, i'm not i'm not going to do
0: that yeah i don't want to do watch. that That's not my brand it's my style I'm Like oh, okay it's great
1: but we know it works do you want you do you want sales or you know <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly
1: but anyway um so uh yes yeah, so where were we? uh cialdini social proof yes very important um Raise and answer obvious questions and objections. So we mentioned Sugarman earlier. This is basically Sugarman. One of, I mean, Sugarman has many things, but one of the things that jumped out of me enough to put it into my but also Sugarman was the true. guy. I
0: don't know if we mentioned before. So book triggers, which you recommend, uh, but he's also the guy behind Blue Blockers, right? That was one yes. of his big successes. Yeah, love Blue them. Blockers. He was the first guy to
1: do the blue blocking sunglasses. He had the those those great uh, that had a lot of social proof in it. There's a there's a character that he found on a beach you know that did some dance moves and stuff it's it's very iconic and that that of course led to many variations and to this day you can buy blue blocking sunglasses they still sell um but uh yeah so he his thing was to and this is this is selling 101 he just applied it to dr print you know you, you, sit, you sit down and you think about what i mean any, any Amazon seller knows these things because there is a section on every page where you try to anticipate questions and, and give answers or people submit questions and you give answers. So his idea was to include that. Um, if you have, he said, he said it in a funny way, he said, raise and answer obvious questions and objections, but make sure you have a good answer. Yes, you know? yes, totally. <laughs> so don't raise it if you don't have a good answer. But to anticipate what people are going to say, like ah, oh, you know, that's not real or whatever. So then you show them that it's real, or you know, that this can't, this can't possibly do X. And then you you think of a way to show that. So if you have a good answer, you know, anticipate the uh, again. That's just selling one on one. But he applied it to dr. Um, number eight. Present a powerful offer at an incredible price. I mean, that is what that was. What it sounds like. It, it's become a bit mundane, crossing out the higher price and putting the lower price, but. You know, DR infomercial marketers kind of pioneered all this stuff. You know?
0: It still works. It still works online. And we've we've tested this quite a bit, and we have clients that will test this during holiday sales or whatever. You know, having that was price that's that's marked out, and then the current price, it's it's powerful. It's got that psychological effect of, hey, I want to buy this anyway, and now you're giving me a little extra justification and a little extra. Logic that I can right. use to say, yeah, okay, I'm I'm doing the right thing here. I'm making a smart choice to buy this. I'm saving money uh, to buy this right. product, so That's right. yeah, still
1: I'm works. Save more money than I'm spending. I mean, look at it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, and of course, along with that goes all the techniques. Some people don't use them anymore. Uh, you know, they've fallen out of favor. They're a little bit um, manipulative, but you know, sometimes if you can do um, supplies are limited and things like that. They, the, all the infomercial guys pioneered every technique you can think of. Supplies are limited. Act now, act now, and you get a special discount. You know uh, reasons to, you know. There's there so many ways you can use this. Like one of the mo- modern innovations that I've seen that I, I thought was pretty clever is, you know, obviously when you air a commercial, some percentage of people, a growing percentage every day, are going to go to Amazon and find your. Absolutely. They're going to skip your website. They're not going to call your number. They're not going to go dr- to your website. going they go to Amazon. And they're going to search. So they're going to find. They're going to find competitors, and you, you don't really want that, ideally. So. We used to have this offer not available in stores, which was Mm -hmm. true because you 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 can get a bonus item or something only on TV. That was incentive to to call us and order direct, you know. But now it's now I've seen um, one of the top players saying, you know, this offer only is not available on Amazon. The product's on Amazon, of course, because you'd be stupid not to have it there. But they have a special offer, a TV offer that you can only get by going to their website. So that's incentivizing, you know, to come into my sales funnel and stay away from all those competitors and knockoffs and stuff that you're gonna find when you go to when you go to and Amazon. I guess
0: that that's that's even powerful even if you're selling your own product on Amazon and, we, and we've seen this a lot by the way quick side note we help brands you know launch on on Amazon we do it all the time and and yeah we found successful companies that are really good at, at running their own ads and driving traffic through Facebook or YouTube and they're just they're generating this little side, you know business, this little ecosystem on Amazon of people that are feeding off of their brand or off of their ads um, and so then once we launch, you know, their brand on, on Amazon, then they can get those sales. But I'm guessing even if it's your listing, even if you're controlling Amazon, you still probably want to drive some traffic to your own uh, funnel once you get the, the customer data and all that. But also, you, you probably need to get some of that data pretty quickly, right, to know that the campaign is working, right? Because you need that feedback to know, is the DRTV campaign working? And, and you need that more in real time than probably you from Amazon.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. it's uh, Solving Amazon, I'm sure, is a big challenge for everyone. It and is. It's been a challenge for us as well as that's evolved to, you know, the, the numbers are are crazy. And, of course, I'm part of the problem because I, I love my Amazon Prime too. Totally. So I, I think everyone's trying to solve that. Um, it's, it's become a big, a huge part. Like I said, when I started, you know, 5% web, um, still having mail-in orders, you know, now it's it, of course web is so dominant and Amazon's just eating all that. So phone is like talk about phone, people are like, what? People call in and order. It right, seems so right. antiquated, but it still happens significantly enough that we would we would put phone numbers, obviously still. But um yeah, it's 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 everything's become everything became web and now everything's becoming Amazon. So well, yeah,
0: what what are those what are those breakdowns now between phone, you know, website and Amazon? Do you, do you know? It probably varies, but
1: Averaging the averages, I would say you know up to half of your direct sales are going to come from Amazon. You know or people are going to go to Amazon, maybe forty wow. percent. I've heard. You know, I I don't have a lot of good numbers, but I'm just. Ta- I mean, this is you know sure. take it with a grain of salt, back of the envelope. And then I think phones probably got to be down to like twenty percent. You know, but it's still significant. So it's still enough. That, and again, it, it would depend too on what you're selling. You know, obviously. A lot of people are using a hybrid model of DR where they're doing branding and they're driving to web and they're doing other things. E-commerce, the dot com people are doing DR now, you know, performance driven marketing. So that, that wouldn't apply to them. But when we're talking about classic you seen on TV, I'd say, you know, maybe 20 percent phone, 30 percent your microsite, the rest, Amazon, something like that. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's just eating everything. Makes
0: sense. Awesome. Yeah. So back to TNT. Were we ready for number
1: nine? TNT. Right. Yes. Yeah. Use it. It's dynamite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you present a powerful, powerful offer at an incredible price, um, and then you increase your perceived value with a value comparison, right? So you could pay, you know, a hundred dollars for this, but today you'll get this better product for only nineteen ninety nine. So we do a lot of value comparisons. Um, sometimes it's just a just a matter of uh, we. It, no, like if we go back a few years, we used to zero in on a this is going to sound really dated too, like catalog page. Yeah. We use web pages at some point, you know, where you zoom in on the price and you circle in in red, and it's like, yeah. look how much this is. Well, even saw you can that you guys know with light,
0: right? I think you, you, you like zoom into an Amazon yes. listing and show it, these are you
1: know, yes. $59, but not TACLite. Right. Yes, seven or eight years ago when we shot that, yeah, that was still a, st- I mean, I, I would use it today, but I, I don't know how, exactly how I would use it because it's, I mean, it's moving so fast. But back then it was still a, a good, selling technique. And there's, there's all these techniques, by the way, they evolve, but they're still the fundamentals. So it's just a question of figuring out how to apply value comparing today. But um, especially if there's a, uh, if you're the first one to break price. And again, I got to put the asterisks of Amazon is because, you know, now it's becoming much more common to find all different price points. But, you know, the, the fundamental technique is to find someone who's selling something for an expensive price and then be the first one to have, you know, to break the price. So we used to do that all the time. We would, we, whether it was on live shopping or even, even an infomercial going into to short form, we would break the price. So it would be 60 and we, and we'd bring it down to $19.99, to So if you can break a price, you definitely want to call that out in your advertising, you know, the first one to be at this crazy price.
0: Love it. Love it. So number 10, the grand finale of TNT.
1: Number Ten is actually the title of one of the books that we mentioned A guy named Al Ikoff wrote a book called or your money back he's the guy who coined that phrase and conceptually it's it's uh minimizing risk with a satisfaction guarantee again, something that might seem mundane people people don't give it as much thought as they should and somebody uh, somebody who is a really conscientious marketer should think about ways to innovate in this space like how good can you make that guarantee you know we used to, um, it, it was in the beginning it was as simple, in the Ally Cuff days, as simple as, you know, if, if you're not completely satisfied, we'll give you your money back, no questions asked. That was innovative at that time, you know. And then it became, you know, we'll pay, I'm sure you've seen in, in some of the early web yep. days, we'll pay your return shipping, you know, we'll, we'll triple, we'll give you triple the money back. Like, you know, uh, I think it was Popeil who used to do certain crazy, you know, like, you'll lose money on that when people... You know, when people uh, use your, abuse you for your guarantee, and, and he, he I looked at the numbers and, you know, it's like a small fraction. We'll actually fill it out and send it in. He had a couple, you know, a couple hurdles to jump through. And he was like, it's worth right. it. For the ones that get right. through the process and go through all that trouble, it's just worth it to pay them double or whatever it is, you know, to have the power of that marketing. And, and Sugarman's, Sugarman was a fan of that as well. He would give these, I uh, think um, he called it satisfaction guarantee, not satisfaction. Total satisfaction guarantees, or something like that—I don't remember the exact terminology—but his idea was like this: this guarantee is so good that people will actually think yeah. you're getting ripped off, you know, and that gives them the confidence to take that final step and close the sale. Which
0: makes a lot of sense, and and you know, yeah, you mentioned like free shipping both ways. I think Zappos was one of the early ones to do that online, and and they realized yeah. that that's the biggest hurdle for someone to buy shoes online is that it's not going to be the right size, and returning it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to cost a lot of money, so. They would they they invested actually marketing dollars into those returns. So free shipping both ways, no questions asked. We'll exchange it, and uh, yeah,
1: we. Well, what what is Prime doing? Prime doing the same thing. Like you can just don't even put it in a box. You know, just just like <laughs> literally like throw it through the window <laughs> yes. of your local UPS, and we'll take it back and give you a refund. Totally. Like they're making it as frictionless as possible, and that's the concept. Yeah, that's
0: the concept, and that yeah. increases consumption and demand and sales enough. To make it worth any of the, the the hoops you have to jump through as a business or the added cost as a business it, it far outweighs that so uh love that well man that was gold so we got to <laughs> get the divine seven actually with the grade eight and then uh 10 tried and true so that's fantastic so uh we're up against time a little bit but i don't want to i don't want to cut this short because it's been awesome so just a couple more things that i want to chat about kind of as we wrap up um you know you said you could know it as early as a couple weeks that this is working when do you know um what do you have to see to know that your drtv campaign is working and talk just a little bit about the math behind drtv
1: yes so usually um in two weekends that's usually how we run weekend to weekend testing um we've aired on enough cable networks major cable networks to get the so each um, and again, th- this is changing a little bit. Attribution, yep. as as in everything, is becoming a bit tricky. But I'll just talk about the the uh, general model um, when it was phone and web and and things that you can key. We would have a different phone number in every every commercial that ran in every station. Um, this yep. is called yep. uh, keyed marketing. It's, it comes from print as well. And then um, and then we, we would uh, match up the uh, the server logs for the times that the based on you know when the when the Commercial aired match that up with the server logs to know what orders are coming from where. So, so we we get pretty granular um, in in that regard. We we aired on these ten stations over the course of a week or two weekends, and um, most most of the media is on the weekends that airs. And then you know you immediately get that uh, you get daily reports, you get a a weekly weekly report, and a few days after that you get a final report. We include some uh, sales that trickle in. We call it drag. But looking at those numbers, um, again, the key metric in ASEAN TV is the cost per order (CPO). So it's basically your ad spend divided by the orders that you got. Um, you know, yeah. it's similar to a cost per acquisition. And and based on that number and based on experience, we, we I have a you know a little spreadsheet business model that factors in all the costs. We already know what number we're we're aiming for. Every um, every campaign has a, a pre-calculated break-even. And, um, obviously if you get below that break even, you're lo- lower the CPO, the better and you're, you're golden. So yeah, it's very fast. And we can also, what's, um, we can also, what's called buy manage. Uh, that's what a direct response agency will do. They will, you know, based on which stations are performing, which rotations, which is a certain time of day is performing. Um, you can get pretty granular with that as well. Even down to the hour, they will buy manage the ones yep. out yep. that are not driving sales based on the data they have. And they'll and they'll heavy up on the ones that are driving sales. Totally makes sense. So that that's that's basically that's basically how it works uh, in a nutshell. Do you have any more specific questions on that? No,
0: that's perfect. Yeah. So, so your media buying at that point, you're optimizing, you know, just like we would do online. Um, but then I know I know one of the questions questions that I have, and, and that I'm sure others do as well. How does a product like you know Tac Light sell for fourteen ninety five, and how do you make money because you're spending a lot on? You know, the CPOs? What, are they like a dollar? You know, so uh, but but for products like that, are you are you really relying on upsells and cross sells and things on the back end, or or talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
1: and there's a there's a science to that as well, and uh, some techniques that I've that I've uh, collected and applied over the years. Um, you know, where of course it is upsells. Right? But your average sale is not 4 It it could be a you know back in the day it could be as high as sixty dollars off of a ten dollar initial offer. You know, so. There's a lot of things happening on the back end, things that things that you really can't do um, right. as efficiently on on Amazon, but you can do on a web your microsite and on the phone, of course, as well. And um, the biggest things are um, the just mm-hmm. this word "deluxe." Like deluxe, okay? like that's worth listening to this podcast, people. If you apply this word "deluxe" to something, um, for some psychological weird reason that nobody knows, but it's been proven over and over again over a hundred years of direct selling, people uh, people will order it. So we used to see not, you know strange things like um, I don't know forty wow. percent of customers will order the deluxe. Why? Because you called it deluxe, you know. So we it, could tell our
0: friends when we show them like, it hey, well, this this is the deluxe," you know, no big deal. I, I
1: what what is it? What does that mean? Yeah. It could be a, it can be a color, even you know. Well, this is in the uh, you know, the uh, copper gold yeah, color. Works, oh, okay, and and people will go for it. So so it's a very powerful word. Uh, we obviously try to deliver some extra value and make the product a deluxe product. But um, so that so that was key, and and we did that up front. We'd always order order these things by the well by the way in um in the order of most converting to the least converting based on all the history and knowledge that we had. So deluxe is first, obviously multiples of the same thing that you ordered for some reason. People like to order two and three, especially if you give them an incentive. You know, we used to see crazy things there. I had a producer friend called the Mooch Factor. And that that even applies to the commercial, by the way. So we used to offer a lot of bonuses, little bonus items like, you know, throwaway things that you get for free if you order now. And then we started doing a lot of buy one, get ones because for some reason, it didn't matter what it was. you, You might say to yourself, why would anybody need two of these? But for some reason, if you give them two, they, they it stimulates the sale. So, um, you can apply that on the back end as well. You know, people obviously bought one, they're more likely to buy two or three. You can make arguments. We have classic arguments like buy one totally. for you and one for your family and one for your friends and one for your mom. And, you know, so, uh, one for the house and one for the car, you know, these is, is are classic, uh, as seen on TV arguments. So, so those two things alone drove most of the back end revenue or drive most of the back end revenue. And then, um, you know, little things like, um, uh, you can uh, do a longer guarantee, like a war- longer warranties, which is familiar to people who have ever bought a vacuum cleaner at a department store back in the day. They're, you know or any, any electronic item at uh, Best Buy they're always or even now on Amazon, they're trying to sell you you know um, guarantees totally. and uh, insurance all the yeah. time. So we would do a little bit of that. Um, you know accessories. It, 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 it sort of trickled down to smaller and smaller percentages. A lot of times we'd loaded it up and then pair it back as we saw what people were responding to. Because you get all that data too. The phone center gives you all the data. The website, obviously, and you can study that and say, okay, this is converting and this is not converting. Swap things out. It's a very scientific endeavor in that regard. and that we we keep iterating. We keep trying different offers on TV. We keep trying different things on the back end to maximize that that average
0: sale. And, and is there like a, usually a certain magic number you're going for where you know it's maybe you're offering it for fourteen ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine, but you, you know you're trying to get. 50, 60 as the average
1: order value? Yeah, so we have a thing that's similar to, uh, I guess, ROAS. We call it, um, and and maybe people have heard of it, media efficiency ratio. Some call it ratio. So like two to one was the gold standard. um, And everyone was shooting for a two to one in terms of revenue to advertising spend. That was, as a general rule of thumb, that's what we were shooting for. And then, of course, got better than that, three, four to one, you know, if you got a four to one, you're you're popping champagne. Yeah, and, and you're uh, going
0: nuts. You're buying all the airtime you could possibly buy at that
1: point. Yeah, buy the world supply. My my first uh, boss in this industry, Andy Cubani, used to when he when he got really excited and we had really low CPOs, he would he would call up the agency and he would say, "Buy <laughs> the world supply of media." <laughs> that's
0: so. that's the call that the media company <laughs> and say. What wants do you mean? Like you got, just like, do it. You got yeah. it. I will buy everything yeah. 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 right yeah. now. Yeah. So that's awesome, um, Jordan. This has been. An absolute blast. This totally lived up to expectations. Super fun. I'm actually quite bummed that we need to wrap up here, but we are we are for sure running out of time. So a uh, couple of quick things. Um, uh, well, f- first of all, I'll just mention this as we rapid fire. Favorite projects you've worked on, and then I want to talk about how people can connect with you. You know, Maybe they want to tip their toes into DRTV or maybe they just want to learn more, so we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, rapid fire, favorite campaigns you've been involved with and why?
1: Yeah, uh, so, uh, the first one is nearest and dearest to my heart would be, uh, the finishing touch, uh, line of personal hair removers. It became micro touch and a bunch of other products that eventually became flawless and is now with Church and Dwight. Um, it was a big sale in in our business, but, uh, that was the first one I worked on. So those are the first campaigns that I worked on. So those are are near and dear. Um, you know, I've done a bunch of fun stuff with, I've worked with Billy Mays. So anything I did with him was always fun. I'm in the, there's a, it's on YouTube now as well. There's a, there was a short-lived uh, discovery show called Pitchman, which uh, starred Billy Mays and Anthony Sullivan. Nice. And I'm um, actually in one of those episodes because he and I had done a deal. Yeah, my, my like five of my 15 minutes of fame, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, I worked on a few projects with him. Um, that we, we did the Magic Mesh years ago. Magic Mesh, which is a, a curtain, a mesh curtain, that's like a screen you can walk through and it closes automatically behind you. That one's near and dear because it was uh, the first one I did with um, Fred Paddock and Paddock Productions out of uh, Kansas City. Shout out to them. The, uh, Absolutely. The Go champ. Chase, man. I'm from uh, KC they...
0: originally. Huge Chase. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the first project we did together. It became a big success and aired for many years. Um, and then, you know, like, like, like all the tack light stuff that we've done, it's, uh, you know, Nick Bolton's been great to work with. He's the he's a spokesman. Um, you know, it was all the fun stuff that we did, you know, fun pseudo military type stuff that we did over the years. Uh, it's been eight, eight or nine years, I think now that we've been shooting commercials for that and, and introducing new items. So all, all those have been great. Nick's great. Uh, the paddock team, which did that as well, is great. So I've had so much fun on all those all those commercials, thinking of new ways New things to run it over with. We went to a tank park, and uh, you can actually drive a tank. It's somewhere in Missouri, and um, and we um, we went there and uh, ran over the you know a bunch of products with a giant tank and crushed a car. I think that's a picture on my website. If you go there, Do you
0: know where in Missouri? Cause, you know, I'm I'm in Missouri. I'm in Springfield. So I'm about two and a half hours south. No, it's
1: not Missouri. It's uh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's um it's in it's in either it's in Minnesota. Minnesota I think okay. it is. It's it's called, it's called it's called like driveatank.com. You can probably just Google it and you'll find it. But you can actually go there and drive it, you know, drive a tank. And uh, we we went there for the day and shot a bunch of really fun stuff. So you know, thinking of like just imagine you're on your 26th or 27th TAC commercial and you're like, okay, what could we possibly run this this thing over with now? Like we've done everything. I've done a monster truck, I've done so it's, it's so much fun just trying to come up with these yeah. ideas, you know,
0: one, one upping yourself on production, which is awesome. Uh, fantastic. So for those that say, hey, I want to keep learning from Jordan. I want to check out, you know, some of his articles, some of his materials. Uh, where can they do that? And then what if they want to work with you? How can they get in touch with you that way?
1: Yeah, so I, I have the two companies you mentioned. My consulting company is called SciMark, uh, S-C-I-M-A-R-K. So if you just go to SciMark.com, you can find everything about Combo Science
0: and Marketing, yeah, easy to yes. remember.
1: Um, that, that's Hopkins, Hopkins Scientific Advertising, which you mentioned, it, which you knew, which I was impressed by. Uh, got, that, got, got it on the shelf
0: in, in the office.
1: Yes, that was like a, um, a very inspirational book for me. So when I named my consulting company, I named it after that. So science Scientific Marketing, SciMark. So SciMark.com, it's got a bunch of stuff. Um on it, everything you want to know to find to find out more about me and and contact me, and then uh, I, I write a weekly Substack. It Used to be a blog. I've been doing it since 2007. It's sort of inside baseball about this industry. It's called the Symark Report, which you can find on Substack and uh, and LinkedIn. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find all my contact stuff and websites and projects and everything on LinkedIn. I have a YouTube channel, Symark Channel, which has all my commercials on it. If you care to. <laughs> peruse my uh, collection but that uh, you know. i think you
0: got to they're fantastic and so if you if you enjoyed this podcast you need to go to the youtube channel and watch it and uh, and also get the Substack as well so awesome good stuff and then uh did you mention paragon
1: yeah paragon so paragon is a uh, so paragon is my product company we do our own products we we design manufacture and supply i do the commercials my partner bill corliss does all the uh china side um development and and logistics and managing the supply chain, so we partnered up uh later on after he brought me into the industry and I got some experience and he did his thing we we later on partnered up in this company called paragon where we like the tech- the tech projects are actually our products we've developed them we do nice. all of our own products now, but you know um for many years, I just did consulting for other people and then I started doing my own commercials and my own projects, so most of the ones we talked about are my own uh products as well as commercials so or our own, I should say, sure. from Paragon.
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, Jordan, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing part two at some point, or maybe we can talk about how these things work on YouTube at some point. But uh, just fabulous yes. job, super, super fun, and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you.
0: Absolutely. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of on the show? And if you love this episode, which I bet you did, share it with someone that you think might benefit from it. And hey, if you haven't done it already, we'd love that review on iTunes. Helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening.